How long have we been doing this? A long time. We're going to make it through this. Hi, I'm Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Nadia, drinking wine. <laughs> And welcome to the table where everyone gets to take a seat and a sip of this wine that we're yes. drinking. Woo, oh my gosh. We are blessed. <laughs> we are blessed today. It's been a great time. Yeah, we're both sick. We're both incredibly sick. I'm coming, I'm coming back to I'm not, reality I'm, soon. I think I'll be good by tomorrow. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be fine tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But until then, I'm dying. It's okay. It's gonna be we're okay. here. We're here, we're present, we're doing what we do. Yeah, we We just talk to each other and have a great time. Exactly. That's all we ever do. That's all we have to do. I mean, that's really all we have to do. And show up to work and pay the bills. And the rest of the stuff that people think I should do. Mm. (sighs) Whatever. But anyway, how are you? How's life? I haven't seen you in a week. It has been a week. It's been been really sad, mostly because I got sick, but immediately after I got sick, you left. (laughs) And so every day I'd wake up and be like, You're still sick. This stinks. Your best friend left you. (laughs) Wow, life is really falling apart. It's like the the negative self talk (laughs) just started stirring. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a little bit of a blur (laughs) of the past few days. I also had like vertigo. So I'd like stand up and be like, where am I? And then like the world would move, even if I was standing still. So it was like a weird, it was like, but this was like just a cold with vertigo. And, um. Are vertigo, is it like having vertigo, like being an like, earthquake? What? Yeah, like when you're like, the ground is shaking, but you're like, yeah, it's not just, moving. It's dizziness. <laughs> it's like incredible dizziness. Is that what earthquake Like the is? world is spinning. It's like when you get the spins when you drink. Too much. I oh, never, like when you I shut your eyes. Drink too much. <laughs> when you shut your eyes and the room is spinning and you're just kind of like, wow, this yeah. could never be the worst thing ever. Like, this is the worst. This will, this may never stop. This could never stop. And then what if you lived like that? And that's what it's like to have vertigo because you're actually living like that, but you didn't get the drinks first. You just are. You just are. That's, that's horrible. I hate it. It's that. really bad. So I had that. So I was um, horizontal for most of one day just because I was like, I'm not going to stand up and live like that. <laughs> I told my coworkers, I was like, I can't come into work because, like, I literally can't move or things just get really bad, really bad, really quickly. Zero oh to gosh. 100 real quick. <laughs> that's what Drake was talking about. Vertigo. Vertigo. That's all he was talking about was vertigo. Yeah. But how have you been? Oh, gosh. Okay. I guess this jumps me jumps into my thing of the episode. What? Is it time for the thing of the episode? <laughs> thing of the episode. I wish do, we do, had a little, do. like, theme song for that. Yeah, that'd be that's great. That's cute. That's cute. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it what right we're going to do for the rest of the time. Print, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I just got back on Sunday, basically Monday morning, because it was like time for me to go to bed. Yeah. And I had flown through three different time zones. That was wild. I was and like, was are you die. here? <laughs> I texted you like mid afternoon Monday. Are you here? <laughs> It was so weird. I hated it. Like going from like like Pacific Standard Time, is that what it is? That's on where Seattle and Los Angeles and all of us mm-hmm. is a PST. Mm-hmm. And then being on like like West Coast, like DC and like New York time, but like for East some East Coast. Yeah, is that East Coast? Is it EST? Because we're on West. We but, P- PNW is the West Coast. But P- but that's PST, so yeah, what but, is it on the other side? 
EST. Was it EST? East, Eastern Standard Time. Okay, whatever. Regardless, <laughs> I didn't like it because mm-hmm. basically whenever <laughs> I woke up for like co- like the conference, which started at nine, I was waking up at six and I was like, this is not a choice that I want to make. Absolutely. But then w- the moment I got back, I was like, okay, time to go to bed. And I'm like sleepy at like five. Like I'm just like, I got to go to sleep. That's a choice. And it's like, and... <laughs> It's not like I had like jet lag, but it feels like jet lag, and it hasn't been that long. Like it hasn't been. It's no, it's enough. Serious. It's enough to be jet lag. Honestly, oh, going from worst. coast to coast is a really, really rough trip. Even going from here to the Midwest is hard. I mm-hmm. think going there, I literally never adjust when I go there, so I can't get up early enough to be on the regular Central Time. I'm always like, well, I'll just get up at ten because that's actually eight o'clock in Seattle, and I just live like that while I'm there because I can't do it. Right, and the, that was the thing. I woke up at eleven the first day that I got there, like the first night I spent. I woke up the next day at eleven, and I was just like, wow, I feel so sleepy, and it's eleven o'clock, and I was like, oh, it's just eight o'clock. Yeah, see, if you tell yourself that, you're screwed. I'm just 8 o'clock. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And so, regardless, the conference was amazing. I went to Race Forward, our facing race, which yeah. is put on by Race Forward. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a, it was the largest race-centered conference in the nation. It's a, There were like 3,000 people there. God, we were awesome. in the Kobo Center in Detroit. And it was just like this radical space where like, for the first time ever, I felt like everything that I said around people, and it wasn't just me and you sitting in a room or me and another <laughs> black person sitting in a room, and I was just talking to them, and they were like, you're so right. It was like I could say something, and like thousands of black people would be like, yes, we totally agree with you. And I'm just Get like, <laughs> what? So like this is like, it was an experience I've never had before in my life. And it was so powerful to just kind of be in those spaces. And I mean, there was like all different kinds of people there, but they all had the same idea, and they were all doing the organizing and activism and spaces like that. And so it was so cool. So I only I brought my top three moments. Wow, I was just about to ask you for your favorite moment, but also one of the moments better be (laughs) when you found someone who reminded you of me. Okay, you choose whatever you want to talk about now. (laughs) Whatever you want. Whatever. (laughs) Just okay, 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 okay. So first. The first one. We're, we're going to go up. We're going to okay, go up. So and the like, first one being... This is like the third, like third ranked. This is third ranked one. But <laughs> the first ranked one is going to be the moment I met someone who I thought was you. Okay, yeah. That makes okay, a lot okay. of that's, sense that's to me. That's how it works. Okay, okay. So, number three was when I was in this panel and it was on school policing, street policing, and immigration and how it's all connected. No. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was not a lot. It was a this. lot. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into detail about the panel because it was just a beautiful time for me to be there. I learned a lot of information. Yeah. And like, if you want to do, I'll like put links of the like organizations that were involved, mm-hmm. so that people can like get involved in that ways and doing stuff like that. But one of the moderate, mo- what is it called? Mediator. Moderator. 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 Listen, we're both sick. <laughs> I was about to die. You know what? Moderator is a hard word. It is hard. It's difficult. The moderator was like, she said, the thing is black and brown people get uh, law and order and white people get um, protect and serve. And when she said that, I kind of (laughs) just sat back and was like, oh, shit. She just said everything I've ever thought and put it into a phrase. That's brilliant. Like, who could have, like, simplified the fact that, like, black and brown people get law and order? Because we don't get protected inside. When we call the police, we end up getting shot. Like that man who recently was a security guard, and he stopped a whole entire gang of people who were drunk trying to kill people. And then he ended up was he was the one who ended up getting shot by the police when they came to up, up like apprehend the other people. 
That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-mm. But, like, this woman who was speaking said, black people get law and order and white people get protect and serve. And that's just how that goes. Wow. So That's brilliant. That was the third thing. The okay. second thing was <clears throat> we had a lot of, um, like, speakers and keynote speakers. And yes. one of them was Tarana Burke, who is the creator of the Me Too movement. Yes. And... Um, she was just, like, so dynamic and was, like, one of the best presenters I've ever listened to in my whole entire life. And, like, it was so funny to me because during the presentation, she was, like, going off script because there was people who would pop up and be like, hey, girl. And she'd be like, hey, girl. And, like, while she's on the microphone in front of 3,000 people just, like, greeting her friends who were sitting in the front row. Yeah. And be like, I haven't seen that girl in years. And she, like, ran down the steps and went to go hug her and then came back up and was like, oh, I had to go say hi to my friend. Okay, but I'll continue. Like, it was so unapologetically her. That's amazing. And so she said something when somebody asked her about code switching. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you damned if you do and um, damned if you don't. So why the hell do you need to apprehend or help anybody else when you can just be you and get what you want out and it doesn't matter? Like, she was just like, be yourself. Do what you got to do. You're only on this earth for so long. And if you're a black and brown person, it's usually shorter. So you might as well be yourself authentically the whole entire time. It doesn't matter about professionalism. And I was just kind of like, she's saying all the things that I've ever wow. thought. I wish but she, just she could me, just hang out with us. I want to hang out with her all the time. At work, outside of work, in my living room. Yeah, her speech. And, like, everything that she was saying. Safeway. Like, what did she say? Did you just say Safeway? We go grocery shopping together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she does live in Harlem, and she does. She says, "I'm still basic. I still go and do my grocery shopping." So she probably goes to Safeway. <laughs> she goes to um, but no, she was just like it was so powerful to listen to her and her being so vulnerable and like honest and talking about how like the people who do that kind of work and like do the Me Too work or just do organizing in general. Mm-hmm. The reason why they do the work is because they are the work, and it's like they've gone through the problems. They're the ones who are like trying to fix the world for themselves, but at, at the same time, understanding and recognizing it happens to everyone. So like just putting it on perspective and just like being very re-energizing and like bringing like a message into the space that I wasn't prepared to receive, but I received and now I'm like capable of moving forward and doing the good work that I thought I was doing already, but I feel like I can do even better now. That's magical. Yes, and then the number one thing in the whole entire world. I cannot wait for this one. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to meet my favorite author slash human in the whole entire world, Adrienne Marie Brown. Which everybody should be like screaming and yelling because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got my voice is a little strange <laughs> from the sickness, but uh, I'm screaming. I'm screaming. I feel like people are screaming right they now. They have to. Okay. So if you don't know who Adrienne Marie Brown is, she's the author of Emergent Strategy, which is like this book about organizing and using like. Bio, like bioorganisms and like ecosystems and the way that you like generalize organizing and just the way that you interact with the human beings. And then she has, um, like she's like the co-editor of um, Octavia's Brood, which is like a whole entire science, science fiction like novel with like short stories in it that are like centering like racism and like xenophobia and different like um, different kind of like like oppressions and stuff like that but in the scientific like science fiction narrative that makes it so beautiful and like interesting to read like she um adrian marie brown has a story in there that's called um rivers and it's about like the detroit river eating like non-native detroit like people 
Oh. And, like the river just eats them. And like it's written from the perspective of this water woman who's like riding a boat on the river and she watches as the river like consumes and like eats up like the capitalistic market of people coming in at a into Detroit and like making it what it is. So she's like this brilliant author wow. and writer that like I find so fascinating. But when she was there, she was just talking about emergent strategies and like she was answering all these cool questions. But it was so funny because the moment that I met her, like I went up there and I was like, hey, sign my books. Like I know there's like a lot. And she's like, oh no, it's cool. Like we just vibing or whatever. And then immediately I felt this wave of Nadia like hit me in my face. Oh my <laughs> I was like, God. is this Nadia? This is Nadia's, like, final form. Who is this woman and why is she, like, my best friend? Nadia was there. Nadia was there spiritually. And so, yeah, <laughs> we were just, like, kicking it and talking and, like, having a nice conversation. And it just felt like I was just chatting with Nadia. And I was like, this is so nice. And we took pictures. And I was just like, this is Nadia. This is fine. <laughs> like, Nadia. I feel so happy. And, like, this, every time I saw her on a stage, I was like, look, it's Nadia on this stage. That's amazing. And so I felt, I felt very empowered by her existence in my life. I'm empowered by your feeling of empowerment of Nadia. <laughs> On behalf of Nadia, On behalf I'd like of Nadia. to thank you. <laughs> That's magical. Oh, wow. I wish I could have been there with you. I wish you could have been there too. I feel like everybody should go to the next Facing Race, um, Race Forward conference. It'll happen in... after next year, right? Yeah, so it's not next year, 2020. but the year after that, 2020. I'm going to go. Which is an election year, so that's kind of wild. So. That is well. I also missed Afrotech, which was happening at the same time last weekend. And I need to go to there next year because it was like a lot of cool ass black people from tech partying in San Francisco, living it up. Oh, that sounds nice. I know. So that's I wish next I was year in too. Tech. You could be. Mm, it would be weird, be. but you could be there. <laughs> I should go. I should go. <laughs> we should go to Afrotech next year. We should go to Afrotech. Okay, my thing of the episode. What is my, oh, <laughs> my thing of the episode. So this is, I don't remember if I've talked about this at all on our podcast because my memory is not very good. But I volunteer with an organization called Pongo Poetry. Mm -hmm. And basically we are helping kids process trauma through writing poetry. And so last year I volunteered um, at the children's, uh, what is it called? It was It's the Psychiatric Treatment Center, the State Psychiatric Treatment Center for Kids, the only one in Washington, um, which is in Tacoma. And so I volunteered there working with kids um, to help them process what has happened to them um, and their mental illnesses, which was very close to me because I write a lot of poetry about mental illness, and that is how I've processed a lot of my trauma. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I got started with this organization. But this year I'm going to be volunteering at the King County Juvenile Detention Center, and I started last week. Um, so today was my second time there with the kids. And it's just like so magical. It's so much fun. I love poetry, duh. But like, and I don't even Dude. love kids. I'm not gonna lie. But these are like adult kids, you know? Like teenagers, they're 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 teenagers. They're like 14 through 17. Um, and they're like they've also been through a lot of shit. So they've seen some stuff. So, you know, you could just level with them. Like it's basically like, but they're so it's like you could level with them because they know shit. But also, they're still, like, young. Like, they're still children. So they still have hope about so much. And they still, like, don't know how certain things work. And I don't know. It's just a really good experience just, like, sitting in that space and learning from them. And then I can teach them things. And it's, like, this beautiful exchange. And they're also the most respectful kids I've ever met. So it's, like, I love hanging out with kids when they don't misbehave. <laughs> And these kids do not misbehave. They're so like they're so nice. I've never met kids so nice. Like one 
like had to leave mid session because um, he had a visitor. And so he was just like, have a blessed day. And I was like, no one ever says that to me. <laughs> but he was so sincere. And I was like, and so then after when I gave him his poetry, which it was really, he like just sat down and I was like, do you write poetry? And he's like, no, but I write rhymes. And I was like, that's the same thing. Okay. And so, <laughs> so we sat down and I was like, do you want to, like, we do a dictation process. So basically, like, you can just say what you're thinking and I'll type it out and help you with, like, a poetic structure, basically. So it's like anybody can write because mm -hmm. everybody has poetry in their heart, which is beautiful. And um, <laughs> this, I just want to so, go to this thing. I'm like, so moved like by, go. like, this thing that I'm doing. <laughs> I'm really passionate about this, which is great. But, um. So he's like, no, I think I'm just going to write it down. I was like, that's cool. So he's just sitting next to me and, like, writing out something. And then he'll just look up at me and then tell me about, like, a memory of his. Like, oh, this reminds me of this time where I did this. Or, like, I ended up in the middle of my, like, gym floor at the middle school. And I don't remember how I got there. And the cops were there. And they handcuffed my feet and my hands and then just dragged me across the floor. And I was like, that's an experience that I've never had. And I have to be really neutral about it because, like, you know, you can't say like, oh, that's bad or that's good or whatever. But I'm like, wow, this kid has been through so much, but is so like just hopeful and sweet, like just really looking forward to the next things mm -hmm. in his life. And I'm just like, there's nothing more special than being a part of this and just helping people, I don't know, write, just write about themselves and learn about themselves and like think about all the good that is to come from all the bad that they've been through. So that's just a little bit of what I, I do for for fun? Question mark. <laughs> Not it's for I, fun question mark. I don't even know how to process it. It's just it's, I do it's it. It's you giving back to the community and reimagining <laughs> a narrative, which we will get into later. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Thank you for putting it in such beautiful <laughs> words. I don't know how to talk about my own experiences. I just go places and write poetry and hope people dig it. But it's been really cool because it's like. No matter what space I step into there with like the different mount like different kids um of different ages and mm -hmm. um of very similar ethnicities, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> that's that's and a like, whole entire different not, conversation that not. we're not gonna But uh, <laughs> but no matter like it's like I it's very it's been very easy for me to click with them. I think they just like they just come ready to open themselves up, mm -hmm. which is nice. Like it's just nice to um like yes, I, they're not gonna share certain things, but like we just like I, there was a kid who just saw me and was like, you look like my sister, and then sat down next to me, and it, you could tell that we were just friends already. Like, it's just really easy to click with them, and I love that feeling, just, like, connecting to another human, even if it's only going to be, like, 35 minutes, and, then like, having an open sharing experience, and then, you know, just, like, going on. Like, I'm glad that I get to connect in that way, because I work in tech, and there's, it's, it's hard to find humanity in tech sometimes like there's a lot of humanity in tech but like not in your day to day like yeah. you really have to search for what you're doing um unfortunately i work for a company that is trying to make like data literacy accessible to everyone so there's a lot of humanity in that but the day to day like i feel like i'm just a machine most of the time <laughs> and so it's nice to step away and be like i'm writing poetry with kids who need to process t difficult things um so that's my thing of the episode also support Pongo Poetry. Like, yeah, great. I don't know how to support, but I you can I, go I, to their uh, website. But if you look up Pongo P O N G O Poetry, you'll find it real fast, and you can donate. You can donate monies. Um, you can volunteer with their projects. Um, there is like an interview process, which they should there should be because you've got to work with kids who are dealing with trauma, so you have to be equipped to do that. But um, but you can, yeah, you can like help them out in a lot of ways. So just go check them out mm -hmm. and spread the word. And if you're in Seattle, try and volunteer or donate some coins. 
Bloop. Bloop. Anyway, so let's get into our schedule of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically we have four segments. One is Dig In, where we talk about a pop culture thing of the week, whenever. You know, of the time. Of the time, which is important. And this one's going to put us in our feels. Yeah, this is going to be... Heavy. <laughs> oh God, I can't. Oh God, I can't go through it. And then the grown folks table, where we talk about the topic of the day, which is like everything that we just talked about, but like more. We're just expanding. Just more. I don't know how that works out. Like we always do, like our thing of the episode, and it just like aligns with what we're gonna talk about later. Just we're just like, always ready to sit down at the grown folks table. Yeah, I like oh, it. Babes. It's a really nice. We table. grown. We grown on occasion. Sometimes. <laughs> Uh, so uh who made the cornbread we Mm. have questions that need answers and we're gonna answer them yes with cornbread i love cornbread with chili get Mm. out of here get out of here (laughs) stop wait i like sugary cornbread that kind of tastes like almost like cake what do you eat it with just by itself Mm -hmm. do you have butter on it yeah i put butter on it but it basically tastes like cake because you could you put jam on it i could yeah 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 like raspberry. Mm, I don't know. You're at it too much. You're at it too much. <laughs> I like cake. I know you do like cake. <laughs> so like as cake. soon as you made that parallel. <laughs> it was over. It was I over. was there. And then, can I get a to-go plate? Mm. We'll wrap things up. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Can we take a break? <laughs> <laughs> So we're back, and me and Nadia had an argument yep. that we may have to address uh, address in the questions part. We'll get like back we to it. To there was a lot there, there and I just feel like <sighs> they need to hear, because I am still irate. <laughs> I still don't want to talk to you. Later. Okay. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> we got to be friends for at least the next couple segments. Yeah, we have time. So we have time. We have time. So we're going to dig in mm. to Stanley dying. Not Stanley but Stan Lee. And I just want to make that clarifying point because when I got the announcement on my phone, <laughs> I was in a meeting and I saw it and I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to break it to the room because they don't know. Nobody else looked at their phone so I knew I was the first one to know. And in my head for a good five minutes, I was thinking, how are you going to distinguish Stanley from Stan Lee? Because if you just say Stan Lee died, people would be like, who's Stan Lee? I didn't want to have that, have that conversation. Yeah, that's so funny. I had to be like, Stan Lee. Like I put a, a real big emphasis on the pause. Stan Lee died. Everyone <laughs> was like, "That's a really long pause, though." <laughs> Stan Lee died. Yeah, you can't do it normal. It sounded a little bit weird, but they got it right away, and they were like, <gasps> "And I was like, you delivered it perfectly." <laughs> so here's it. the thing: I feel like when you say Stan Lee comparative to Stan Lee, the way your face like Stan contorts Lee. looks differently and I feel like because they're listening to us and they can't actually see your face like I knew who you were talking about the moment you said Stan Lee compared to Stanley. Stan well when you say Stanley your voice got lower Stanley instead of like <laughs> <laughs> instead of Stanley like you're like not Stanley but Stanley which is <laughs> like it makes me wonder did if I you always do that? <laughs> you did I'm not making this up this is not one of those insecure <laughs> moments where <laughs> I'm making your vo- you 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 guys tell us. You did that. <laughs> I heard you. You were like, Stanley. Like, it was a very... <laughs> Anyways, doesn't matter. Stanley <sighs> passed. He did pass. And um, and it was devastating for a lot of folks. For a lot of people who love the good Marvel. I don't know a lot books. about it. So I can't be one of those people who are devastated. It's like when... Um, actually, I don't want to do this. 
no, 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 I'm not going to talk about someone else who passed and then everybody was mad at me because I didn't relate. Don't do that to yourself. Not don't do, do that it. to We're yourself. Not do it again. No, this is on air. People can go back and listen to it multiple yeah. times. The moment you're like, you didn't know who this was and you can't even lie about I it. I know who he is. I just didn't love his music like that and I can't do that. Are you talking right about? Who? Oh, no. Who is it? Patrick Swayze? No. <laughs> he had a big head. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 not Patrick Swayze, not Patrick Swayze. Um, honestly, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't remember his name right now. But um, what's that guy, the guy who sings those songs? Every white person loves this man. Black people too, probably, but every white person loves who this is man. This? I feel like Daniel knows. I don't know why, but I feel like <laughs> Daniel knows. It's like, um, uh, where's, where's a lot of flashy outfits? Y'all got to help me right now. Oh, oh. That's David Bowie. I knew Daniel would know. I knew Daniel would know. He had to help us because the thing is, I know I knew who David Bowie was, and I know his music very, very on a surface level, and I like some of his songs. But he wasn't like my idol, you know. So when everyone was devastated, I was like, "Sure, I'm sad. Sure, but like." You know, I'm not devastated. You know, anyways, we did exactly what I didn't want to do. And I feel like somebody is going to be like, you weren't devastated. You know what? <laughs> you can kick rocks with open-toed shoes. Because <laughs> I have other people in my life that I was devastated over. And back to Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Not Stan Lee, but Stan I can't breathe. <laughs> I was like, I need you to come back because you're the one who knows about Stan Lee. The way that Daniel came through the <laughs> He had our back. I told I knew he would. I knew we weren't gonna get there alone. And we needed to call on the help of white men. Sometimes you need to call on the help. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. That was so difficult. Cause I really was sitting here, I was like, Patrick Swayze, who are you talking about? I knew you were yeah, talking about David guy. Bowie, and I could not think of his name. I couldn't. I saw his wow. face. He I was knew singing exactly Starman in my about. head. Like it was a lot. Oh, man, that's wild. Anyway, so Stanley is basically the creator of Marvel. He basically, with me and Nadia and our other best friend, Javon, we went to, um, what do you call it? An exhibit? Is that what you call those things? Yeah, we went to Mopop. Yeah, It's a museum. Which Mopop, for the people who are not in Seattle and have Mm -hmm. no idea what it is, is a museum of pop culture. That's right. And it's the coolest place I have ever been to in my whole entire life. That's an overstatement. Mopop is so cool for nerdy-ass people. Okay. I love that place. And, you know, the first time I went there, it wasn't, it was, they just recently rebranded it to Mopop. Mm -hmm. It used to be like a music, it was supposed to be a music-focused museum. It used to be called EMP. I can't remember what it stands for. But, like. It wasn't a, like not it, it. It was more pop culture than it was music, and so because you went in with that mind frame, it was like, feel like this is missing the mark. Like it, I, I didn't. Anyways, which I think like to it be is fair, really cool though. Yeah, it, like I mean, their music exhibits are not as well as like you could go somewhere else. Yeah, like I just went to the um, what do you call it? What's the um, the Motown um museum in Detroit, and it. it was like really was small. Amazing. It was really small and it was like really fast, but like it was like I knew what I was gonna get into. I got what I wanted and I kept moving. So like, but Mopop is like you don't know what you're gonna get at any yeah, point in time. That's true. Um, 
But regardless, we went to the Marvel exhibit in Mopop that they have right now, which is, like, kind of, like, overwhelming at the fact that, like, we just went to go see that. And then Stanley just died, like, maybe two weeks afterwards. Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. Um, Kismet. Yeah. But it was, like, so cool because, like, you actually learned how, like, Stanley got that idea of going, like, creating the superheroes that we do have, the ones that are, like, relatable and like actually families like um the fantastic four being the first um superhero family that was like ever exhibited or like the x-men and being like a group of like family members or people coming together and being like extraordinary but doing good things as a family and having like real problems and then black panther (laughs) listen i was there (laughs) for that could not get over the fact that we were looking at their um, costumes from the movie. From the movie. Like, we saw a lot of costumes from a lot of Marvel movies. And I was like, yo, I watched Wakanda so many times. <laughs> so many times. that <laughs> now it's here in front of us, Wakanda forever. But think about <laughs> it, though. Because the fact that we have, like, this reimagination of, like, blackness in a very, like, ethereal way. Like, black people without, like, the, like touch of colonization or, like, black people, like, existing in a world that, like, is so technologically advanced because of the fact that it wasn't touched by colonization or, like, white people even going near it. Like, the fact that we could be, like, this idea that we could be so much farther along if we weren't touched by colonization and the fact it was written by a white man. This idea? (laughs) Yeah, like, it was, like, but the facts. No printers. (laughs) Never mind, it's facts. 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 Facts, 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 facts. But the fact that it was written by a white man, like this idea was brought by this like white guy who was like, you know, we could create this like country in Africa that like doesn't exist, but like imagine if it did exist and it has vibranium. God, vibranium is the dopest of all things. (laughs) I saw this video of this girl, she was smoking a joint. Uh-oh. But it was when she smoked it, the, like, light. You know how you usually smoke a joint and it's red? It was purple instead. I would know that I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Tell another Sorry, one. Sorry, I just had to. I had, I don't know. I was just like, what, what experience What's like weed? that? I've never heard of marijuana. Marijuana. What's that? <laughs> Anyways, you were saying if you, it's red usually, but it's not. In no, she was smoking it and it was purple. And somebody quote tweeted it and said, Is she smoking vibranium? <laughs> and I lost it. If you're smoked vibranium, can you imagine what would happen to you? I feel like that'd be the best high I've experienced in my life. You would be invincible, but actually. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a lot. I don't think that's a smart wow. choice. Never smoke vibranium, children. Mm-mm. It's not good Mm-mm. for you. Um,. So, like, tell me about your favorite Marvel moment. Oh, God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, one, <laughs> everybody hates me for this. I am obsessed with Iron Man. I don't know why. I cannot explain you it to you. You are obsessed with Iron Man. I'm obsessed Man. with Iron Man, and I can't explain it to anybody. Especially because, like, it's Robert Downey Jr. in my head, because that's, like, the only <laughs> Iron Man I Robert Downey Jr. Know. is so fine to he's me. He's not. I don't understand why And he went through such so a drug problem. I know, but he looks so He's a good. white man. I know. I'm working on it. I just didn't know you, you knew it. that. I'm I just wanted to aware. make sure I'm very aware. that we were aligned. I'm very that. aware okay. that he is a white man. All right. But for some reason, I feel like I've followed Robert Downey Jr. my whole entire life because he's literally been acting longer than I've been alive. Yeah, he's been around the block a few times. And I just feel like my body was just like, you know who you should care about? Robert Downey Jr. And the moment he became Iron Man, it was like sealed in a book. He Somebody did a really fantastic job in he's that movie. He's so good at <laughs> being Iron lie. Man. He's so good at being Iron I Man. I think that was my favorite superhero movie. Because I don't really love superhero movies, just mm-hmm. to be quite frank. But that one, I mean, after, obviously, Black Panther. 
um, that one's probably my favorite. Like, I really enjoyed it. it was no, I, but the thing is, and I think that, like, the most powerful thing about, like, Stan Lee's, like, whole entire Marvel universe is that all of these, like, a lot of people are like, I don't like, like, superhero movies, but I do like this one. There's what because you can relate mm-hmm. to things and it's very relatable. Like these it people is. have fucking superpowers and there's no way that I can fly through the fucking sky. Like I can't do that. There's no possible way. But the thing Not is, <laughs> I can sit here and like empathize with Spider-Man and being like, I'm trying to grow up in this world where I don't feel I feel like I'm out of place and I'm a teenager. But I feel even more out of place because I'm weird. I'm different. I don't know what's going on. I can and the shoot mo- webs out of my hand. Right. But then the moment they made Miles Morales and made him black, I was like. Now he understands on a completely different level of why this is not working for him. Or, like, the fact that Captain Marvel was, like, this person who was from an alien race who just didn't fit in. But then it was, like, I got this power from this alien race. And now Captain Marvel is, like, an indigenous, or not an indigenous person, but, like, is Muslim. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, like, the fact that they're, like, connecting these experiences to, like, the reason why I even like, like, superhero movies is because that othering of, like, of people, it's just, uh, I don't even know how to describe, like, my excitement for this because this is my blurred popping out of my body again. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. for example, I know for a fact that the X-Men and the fight between Magneto and Professor X are literally the, like, civil rights era of, like, Professor X being Martin Luther King and Magneto being uh, Malcolm X. And, like, they have these sects of people who are literally going through, like, how do we, like work with the human race who are trying to abolish us and destroy us. And, like, Professor X is like, we have to save them. And Magneto's like, fuck these hoes. Like, destroy all of them. Die. Like, we need to overcome them, and we need to be better than them because we're capable of being better than them. And Professor X is like, no, we have to, like, work with them, and it's going to be okay. And then the whole entire time, these human beings are, like, being assholes. But at the same time, I'm like, you know... If I keep watching the news, I'd be so confused if I opened up an X-Men comic and I didn't read it already. Like, those are the things. Stan Lee, like, gave me an outlet and, like, this idea to, like, social justice and, like, reimagining my world in a very specific way. And I feel like for everyone, like, even if you don't even care about superheroes, it's just so powerful to just, like, know that this man made that impact in that way. I want to open up a comic book and it says, fuck these hoes. <laughs> That's Should we what write I a comic got. Book? That's what I got from this conversation. I was like, you know what? Stanley's the realist. He <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on, and this person's like, fuck these hoes. <laughs> and I'm like, I get that feeling. I, thi- that is the relatable. <laughs> the, the thing is, like, I'm more worried, like, because in the comic books and, like, in the movies especially, mm-hmm. they'll put, like, at the end of the movies, like, in memory of. And yeah. I know this, like, the latest Avengers movie is going to come out. And they're going to be, like, in the memory of Stanley, and I'm going to be an emotional wreck. The moment that they have a, like, Marvel movie and Stanley is not, like, featured in it. Yeah, that's wild. I'm going to have a mental breakdown. Like, that's, I expect this man to be in every single one of my movies. How old was he? Do you know? 95. Wow. He's that's been, good. He's been doing this for a long period of time. He literally was killing the game. <sighs> he's created such great things. I just... Uh, you know what? That's great. You know... I could literally keep going for like I know you hours could. on this, but I we have. But there's not a lot I can yeah. contribute besides <laughs> my appreciation for, you know, his body of work, mm-hmm. and also just my appreciation for how you interpret it, because you make it hella relatable. <laughs> 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 like if you could just do this podcast like without me, just a couple episodes on Marvel. <laughs> 
I could do it. I would it. literally just be listening. I'd be listening the whole time. I would be like, mm, that's a wow, lot. I'm going to write some notes. We'll got to follow up on that. <laughs> Wait, no, it's like one of those things like, I, like Javon Stanley could created attest- Storm, yeah? Stanley d- didn't create Storm. I think Storm <laughs> like, was a concept that came in a thing. Well, I mean, wow. Storm's in the universe. Storm's in the universe. But like, there's like, and that's the thing. So like, Marvel <laughs> Universe, I could keep going literally for Just hours. a little bit more. So oh. Marvel Universe has different arcs of universes. So like, they talk about how there's like different things that happen in different ones. So like, in one of them, Black Panther and Storm get married. Shut up. And they, like, just imagine, just think about this, like, in the real world. <laughs> what happened to um, Nakia, though? See, this is the reason why there's multiple universes, because there's probably one where they go off and they're together, too. It's like, I don't like that Storm's going to do that to Nakia. But here's the thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> because Storm is an African princess. Black as, Panther is the king of Wakanda. <laughs> right, 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 right. As am I. That's why I probably relate to Storm. Yes. So imagine if they got together. But anyway, regardless, that's not the point. That's not the they point. have a son who has the ability. <laughs> he has all the abilities of Black Panther, and he also shoots like electric shocks out of his body. And that was my favorite character for the longest time. God, I wish I could have a son like that. I want a son who has superpowers. I don't think it's too late for us to make this happen. There's actually this comic book that has nothing to do with Marvel, but there's this story of this mom. And, like, literally the storyline is a mom trying to raise a child with superpowers and trying to protect them. Not only—and it's also a black family, too. So it's this child with superpowers, and she's trying to protect everybody from getting to him who has all these superpowers. And it's very interesting. I think it's, like, on the DC Universe, like, streaming site. There's a lot of comic stuff. Yeah. That I don't know about. It's a whole different world, yeah. and you have to be committed to it. I'm not ready to commit right now, but no, I will dabble. I mean, it's like I could talk about <laughs> anime for hours, and you'd be like, what the hell? I know some anime about? because I went through a phase. Everybody went through the phase. I just never I went came through out a phase it. in junior high, but that's because my brother was living at home at the time. My brother is very much in love with anime. Anime's I think great. he at least, I think he might still be, probably, he was pretty obsessed. And so I was like, I want to relate. And so then I got into it, and it was awesome. Like, it was amazing. I want but, it. I'm going to say this and I'm going to stop talking. I think that anime and like superheroes and cartoons and stuff like that give like black and brown people this like imagination and this reality that we can latch onto that's so much better than the one that we live in because there's like moments where there's like, like Luke Cage, for example, a black man who can literally get shot but doesn't die. And get shot from police officers and doesn't die. Like, having that idea and having that image in your head as, like, a young black person, being able to be like, I can be resilient and overcome all the shit that's going on in my world because there's superheroes out there who are, like, giving me this, like, representation of showing me how I can get over it. I can get through this. There's things that make me invincible. There's things that make me special because I'm black and this. I'm black and this. Like, that's what anime and, like cartoons and all of these things do for me and that's what Stanley created in this universe and that's why I appreciate him and I'm so sad that he's gone I could start crying now but I'm not going to I'm gonna keep sipping this Merlot and that's all we have for digging with Stan Lee not Stanley but Stan Lee <laughs> I wish I had a really creepy laugh. <laughs> that every time I laughed, it was creepy like that. So you're just at work and someone says something funny and then you're like, <laughs> and this is like, that's your regular laugh. Like it disrupts 
everything. And with that, we're getting to the grown folks table. Yes, bring us to the table with those grown folks. Yeah, <laughs> which is clearly not us today. No, we're children. Sipping <laughs> <laughs> out of baby cups of Merlot. That's how we live our best lives. Mm. So, as I was talking about, because it was literally just me talking at length about Stan Lee earlier. Yeah. About how that his imagination was so brilliant. Even when it comes to, like, Black Panther, how he was imagining a world that, like, a lot of people couldn't even have thought of. And now he has little black children dressing up as Black Panther screaming, Wakanda forever. Um, Wakanda forever. Because that's what Stanley has done for the black community at this point. Yes. Um I like and also like thinking about like what I learned at my conference. Like one of the big talking points at the very beginning was how to reimagine liberation without like colonization or like any white supremacy or any like marginalization at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for example, they were talking about um, like reimagining like the way that liberation looks like. So like for what is your ideal world like without all the colonization or all the problems or like white supremacy or things like that? Like what would that look like? And is it built in capitalism? Because it can't be. Because capitalism <laughs> is created by white supremacy. So, like, how do you reimagine a world like Wakanda that has all of this liberation without the ideas of somebody else within it? Like, without the ideas of, like, colonization and, like, perform like performance qualities and, like, like, any expectations and stuff like that. Like, how do you create that and how do you reimagine Yo, that? we'd be <clears throat> doing voodoo. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the raddest? I love voodoo. Like, before fucking colonization... Um, we had voodoo in Africa. Mm -hmm. Well, in actually different places, but like, you know, like the Yoruba people mm -hmm. of Nigeria had voodoo. And I'm just like, wouldn't it be a way more dope life if we were just connecting with the spirits? And voodoo, which, you know, like contrary to popular opinion, isn't, there's nothing negative about it. At all. You actually, it's not like creepy. Well, I mean, depending on what you think of as creepy, because you are connecting with spirits, but like, it's not like evil. It's not evil spirits, right? So it's like connecting with them and bringing like beauty and love into your life and like feeling it on a spiritual level, um, and you know, making offerings and all these things. But like, I would, I would love to have been brought up like that. Like my grandma, actually, my dad doesn't talk about it, so I don't have any facts. He hates this. My dad is very afraid of like witches and stuff. You know, like like in his culture, that you know, it's terrifying and stuff. But like, so he doesn't talk about it. But my grandma actually belonged to like a voodoo group, and I'm just I like, that. I wish my dad would have gotten on board and passed that along to us, because that would be amazing. Well, no, no, okay. So since I've been sick, I've been like in my bed watching Netflix constantly. So I watch Good. all of Good. the. <laughs> like, what I like to hear. Yeah, you're right. I was healing. I was resting my body. Um, I was watching the Sabrina the Teenage Witch like series on Netflix, like the live action one. Oh my god! It was so good. I forgot about Sabrina. No, it's really good. Oh my you gosh! Should go watch with it. the cat, with the cat. What's his name? I don't know. Salem. Salem, and he'd always be like, "Goo." <laughs> so All the time, and so I used to do that at home. And how did we get here? Why I used to do that all the time, and it would make my sisters just laugh hysterically because <laughs> it's just. Anyways, it's funny. Say what's so it has. It's not as like happy as the like TV show was, where it was just like Sabrina and she had the cat and the cat would just talk. Yeah, this was dark. Up. It was dark as fuck. Right. But also at the same time, it taught. It showed how. Like, even organized religion around Satan can be problematic and stuff like that. But also at the same time, it was talking about how they connect to the spirits and how even though like. Like, their witchcraft and stuff like that. They didn't never 
intersected it with like race or anything of that nature. There was like black people on the show, but like it wasn't like entrenched in the idea of like where actually witchcraft and wizardry and all that shit came from. Mm -hmm. But it was like very fascinating to watch because it was like they were talking about church and they were like the church of the night and da 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 da. And it was like unholy spirits. And like they would say everything that I would hear at home in Kansas, but like flip it with unholy. And I'm just like, this is the same shit. This is the same (laughs) as that shit. And like, and that's the thing. It's like this idea of power within like a church or within a structure or in within this like place. Like, imagine if we didn't have to have that power structure. Imagine oh if it didn't exist. And that's what I feel like like the next step of being like grown or like existing in a very liberated world would be where we just have a world where we are free to be who we want to be and there is no power dynamics. There is no structure that How would that even work? Through. Like, I don't know, we're all just, like, in it together and, like, actually wanting all of us to succeed. Like, maybe we'd all just be rooting for each other instead of tearing each other down all the time. Like, maybe we'd have good self-esteem. Like, maybe we'd appreciate everybody's body. Like, maybe, like, we wouldn't have so much self-loathing brought on by so many fucking campaigns (laughs) made by so many messed up people just, like, steeped in white supremacy. I don't know. I just got really emotional <laughs> at the thought of a world without power structures. And I only think about, like, just, like, God, being an adult is hard. Like, working in corporate America is really hard. Difficult. And so, and there are power structures everywhere. But, like, in that world, I'm just like, oh, my, I can't deal with this anymore. Like, it, it's really getting to me lately where I'm just like, this person has the authority to deny all of these ideas. Just because, just because, like literally not qualified, but can because they have the power to. Exactly. Oh, God, I just can't anymore. It's just like it's a world that doesn't make any sense at all. But to all of these people, it makes the most sense. And that's that's the most difficult part is like it's not just this like shift of like, oh, we now recognize through the knowledge system that we have all these problematic like systems and we're going to deconstruct the, like or not deconstruct them but we now not like acknowledge it cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the power is still in these people's hands they still right. get to make those choices they still have the majority because they have the majority of the money <clears throat> and so therefore it can make the majority of all choices and we're still like rooted it's like i don't know how to describe it because it's like it makes me think of just a whole bunch of movies and like things that i've been reading and like watching right now so like uh, on the plane ride back i watched um fahrenheit 451 with michael b jordan because he fine as fuck god he's fine <sighs> i mean i was conflicted Confl- <laughs> i was conflicted <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm ha- i'm drinking merlot but i was conflicted during uh, Black Panther <laughs> mm. for a little mm-hmm. while, you know, but he was making a lot of sense too. So he like, was making a lot of sense. He's making a lot of but sense, also, but he, he is um, fine. He's fine. So I was watching Fahrenheit 451, and like, if you haven't read the book or ever watched the movie, like, you should go watch the movie. It's on HBO, I think. For real? Um, yeah. I haven't seen it. I gotta watch it. Yeah, it's like cute, but if you, I'm pretty <laughs> sure like cute. everybody, it's cute. It's cute. It's like it's a like novel turned into a book, but it's like a book that is very much like rooted in this idea of like we're burning books because we want to have power and control of everybody's narrative within their minds, right? And so, um, if you read too many books, and like something that was really powerful about it, and they said and summed up beautifully in the movie was like. The reason why people wrote, like, this guy was on this, like, long-ass talk. And he was talking about how the reason why people write books is because they're trying to individualize themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to, like, 
talk about the sorrows and the hurt and the things they've experienced. And so in this universe, they're like destroying all the books because they want people to only have 60 words in the English language. They only want them to be happy. They want them to, them to be vigilant and like basically zombies because that's the only way that you're going to experience happiness. Like emotions are meant to be felt. Like the fault in your, our stars taught us one thing and it's like emotions are meant to be felt and that's one thing they taught us and that's Damn, it. I that's had it. no idea <laughs> that we were going to go there. You just took me to a cancer movie. Like zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> but they only taught us one thing. They taught us one thing is that emotions are meant to be felt. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. Leave the book I feel down. like we were taught that and other things as well. But yeah, but that was like the one thing that I can think of a phrase that like set that up was that. And that like, e- like if we don't feel our emotions, if we don't have those experiences, if we don't like live, then like we're always happy. We're all, and that's probably why like people who have a lot of privilege are like so thrown off when one bad thing happens. It's like, oh shit, I can't deal with the rest of the world. This is so hard. When it's like, I've gone through turmoil my whole entire life. And because I've gone through turmoil, like, the happier moments are happier. The sadder moments are tougher, but I'm learning how to get through those. But every single happy moment I relish, I think about all the time. It's what gets me through the day. Yo, I don't know if this is related, but (laughs) what you were just saying about, like, privileged people being so thrown by, like, one bad thing. So I was in a meeting recently, and they were talking about this idea of, like, how can we thrive instead of feeling like we're surviving every day? Like, yeah, it's one thing to survive, but, like, how can we create spaces where we're constantly thriving? And I was just sitting there the whole time, like, there's white people and me. And <laughs> I was thinking, like, but a lot of people of color are just surviving because that's all they can do. Like, we're in a world where that's literally all you can do. You're beat down all of the time, like, in the meeting when they're having this conversation. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is not applicable to me because it's hard. Like, yes, I'm thriving because, like, listen— <laughs> I'm like here to thrive, okay? Like I'm I'm a, I'm a rise above all this bullshit. But like there like there are there are months of my life at a time where I'm like all I can do is survive. That's all I can do. There's nothing that you could build into my lifestyle that would make it so that I'm thriving unless you could like you know like let me not come to work and let me not deal with these like snakes and let me not deal with like if you don't know that reference you got to go back and listen to more episodes. But like <laughs> <laughs> and let me not deal like it's just like it's like I don't know, like, white people have the privilege of just, of thriving all the time, all the time. They can, they can create space for themselves to thrive. They can. Like, other people create it for them, right? Like, I don't even think they have to create the space. It just, it just is. And that's the thing that I think is very important, or, like, pulling from what you're saying, like, the ability to create, the ability to create outside of the confines of your own race, to create out of the confines of your own gender, to create out of the confines of your own, like, pr- like power dynamics, wherever it may lie, like, socioeconomic, like, privilege, stuff like that. Like, all of this stuff that we read and we, like, go through and we, like, um, privilege and, like, put on pedestals is all just struggling. It's all books that are about struggling. Like, um, for example, um, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. It's a classic at this point. Yeah. But it's all about a black woman's struggle throughout life. Right. And how her resiliency got her to where she was at now. Right. Or right. where she was before she passed. Like, things like that where, like, none of, like, when we're talking about, like, reimagining and creating these worlds, all of those ro- worlds are rooted in this idea of, like, we're still functioning in a system where there is pain, where there is people who are hurting other people. Because... Remember what we talked about last time. 
Hurt people always hurt people. That's right. Heal and people he, always heal people. And the thing is, we can't talk about healing other people or living in a world where everybody's healed mm-hmm. until everybody is actually healed. Right. And what that actually looks like and what that like imagination would be like. Because like, like we say this all the time. It's like in liberation spaces, I don't think like privileged ass people say this. <laughs> I'm like, who's all. we in this? <laughs> right, we right, say right. this all. You and I maybe say this all the time. Right. Like <laughs> I'm not I'm only going to go as far as the most marginalized person in the world. Like I that's how far I feel I'm along because mm-hmm. I know that if somebody is struggling when I am like excelling, like I understand I need to survive. But yeah. like at the same exact time if I can do anything to help somebody else survive, right. I will do that. Of course. But um in this world like um, like what I'm trying to li- like find this liberating thinking and stuff like that is where everybody can survive everybody can thrive everybody can like exist and create and be healed and be able to be their most authentic self because if you're not healed you're not authentic you're not going to be able to be authentic because you're like I need to put like food in my mouth I need to be able to eat I need to be able to drink water I need all my basic needs met but until your basic needs are met there is no way of pushing out creativity there's no way of giving to the world in a very specific way that would move us towards something better than what it already is mm-hmm. because we're all so focused on being this regime and this like patriarchy and like white supremacist like norm of like we must meet these standards and then therefore we can talk where people should be talking and already are talking but you're just not listening and we should be listening to those people i don't know i feel like i just started ranting Yo. <laughs> I just went on a tangent and I don't know where I'm at. Honestly, no, that's exactly we're talking about reimagining liberation. And <laughs> it's hard to do that when you struggle. <laughs> it's hard when to you do struggle. That. It's, it's hard, hard when you struggle. That. Yeah. Damn. But like also also like it's hard to just it's hard to think about that when we're so far from it. Like what are the steps to getting there? Because there is so much work to be done and people are doing work but not enough people are doing work and like literally everyone has to do the work or we won't get there that's the thing there are always going to be a number of folks doing work right but that's not going to be enough Mm-mm. because the people who aren't working are the people who need to be working because they're the people in power right but they don't want to give up their power at all so like I'm just trying to figure out how to take the power away from them <laughs> How do I snatch How can that? I How scoop it up? Scoop it up. Scoop No, 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 no. We're not doing it again. Scoop it scoop I don't know why, but I'm just obsessed with the word scoop lately. I'm like, can you scoop me up on your way? <laughs> or like, if I'm talking about picking somebody up in a bar, I'm like, just go scoop them up. I'm just going to go scoop them up. I just, I, listen, I'm just going to say it now. Scoop is going to become a thing. <laughs> I think scoop was already a thing. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think it was a thing before I said it. Mm, okay, I think okay, people want fair, it to be fair. a thing. Now okay. that I said it, they're like, I just want to get like her. <laughs> that's in my reimagined liberation. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just wants to get like me. And I get it. That's fair. That's I'm fair, hip. That's fair. I'm cool. So I had an idea from, um, <clears throat> what's her name? Who that girl? <laughs> Tarana Burke, when she was talking, she was talking about how the Me Too movement has been co-opted by whiteness and how, like, a lot 100%. of white women have talked about, like, how, um, like, we're working towards this goal and this is what Me Too means and this is, we're all women in this fight and stuff like that. And Tarana was like, don't let 
white women tell you what the Me Too movement is about when you know that black and brown women, gender nonconforming people like trans folks created this space for you to be able to be your best self and to do your best work. Like, it's not about who's like co-ops it and who gets to have the narrative in the mainstream media. It's about who actually created it and who put the narrative out there. And so I find it difficult because a lot of the time I'm like going through and sifting through Facebook and being like, I don't know what works here. I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. I don't know what to insert here because honestly, like there's so many like um, things that I have, like hurdles I have to jump through to like make my point come across the right way. But really, it's like not about like putting everybody into it. It's about making sure the most marginalized are at the forefront mm-hmm. and having that conversation at their level and not having the conversation at everybody else's level, which comes to like me not code switching. Like in my liberated world, I'm able to talk however the fuck I want to talk, a.k.a. how I talk on this podcast, a.k.a. how I do talk at work because I really don't fucking I care. I talk, yeah, I talk like myself at work most of the time. Right. I, the only times I switch is when I have to like send an email like email when I'm trying to be like, like I feel like there's a circulating meme right now where it's like, how do you say you got me fucked up in corporate lingo? Right. Like I literally have to think about that all the time. So I have to code switch then. But also in like meetings with like authoritative figures, like I'm probably not going to be like, yo, the fuck are you talking about? Which is how I feel like 97% of those meetings. Right. And instead I'm like, I'd like to go back to that last point that was made by X. Can you please expand on that for my understanding? So that they can explain it and then I can hear the the holes and I can be like, I'm sorry, that doesn't add up. So there's these moments where (laughs) I am white, Nadia, you know, just to make sure that the white people in the room understand what I'm talking about and they don't get offended. By myself, I don't. I don't fucking know. But that's like the most difficult thing because I think about it all the time, especially after like um, Tarana saying like, "You're damned if you do and damned if you don't." Like you just have to be you, and like being like trying to be authentic and trying to be healed and trying to be full is very difficult, especially in the like confines of a world that's telling you you can't be any of those things. There's professionalism. There's like standards. There's like the idea that you're who you're supposed to be and, um, because if you're not that person, you're not going to be able to get the work done. And the thing is, like, there's, I, I get the work done regardless. It doesn't matter what you do think I do or don't do. It matters yeah. if I get paid and I survive. But I mean, like, if I have no, to— No, it's true. It's true. And the thing is, if you get the work done, like, these people are going to look upset during meetings, but they're going to keep you. Like, the amount of—the thing is, I leave jobs after I realize that— they're getting they're starting to get too offended by me being myself. That's like literally why I've left all of my jobs to get to where I am right now. There's a point in in my like t- like time at the company where I'm like, "Oh no, they realized I'm too black." Like there's always gotta a point go, go, go where back. I'm like, "Got to start job hunting because like the thing is they want to keep me because I'm really I'm really good at what I do. I know this is about myself and suddenly when people well, I, like I see it click in other people, like there's always a moment like I'm at a meeting and I see it click in somebody else where they're like, well, fuck, <laughs> she's really good. We need her. And as soon as I see that, I think like, yes, I can be just a little bit blacker now. Like, and then it just starts adding up and then it gets to the point where you're too black. And so at that point, I'm like, got a job, hunt again. And then I just go back to the cycle. Like, that's what it is because there was a point, I think, in my last job where I realized, I was like, wait a minute, I'm never going to just leave a like I can never just leave a job 
because people are being racist. I would never keep a job. I would never keep a job. That's and true. so, like, I in every job that I've had, I'm thinking, wow, this place is racist. And, like, and, like, the first one, I left. And then when I got to the second one, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to keep happening. And it will. And it does. It happens all the time. And I can't just leave. I'll never keep a job. So I have to stay until I'm too uncomfortable with how, like, uncomfortable they are with my blackness. That's what it is. Like, I literally have to get to the threshold of, like, now I don't want to sit in this discomfort because you guys are making it impossible for me to be myself. Right. And I'm not going to work somewhere I can't be myself, so I'm on to the next thing. Like, thank you, next. Like, that's what I just thought. But, you know, like, it's just like... (laughs) 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 But, yeah, no, it's just... It's that's and that's really like that was that was like the hardest reality for me. Like I remember talking to a friend about this and crying because I was like, I'm never gonna be able to leave a job because they're racist. How messed up is that? They hate who I am because of my skin color, but I can't leave. That's not an excuse to leave. Cause like that's gonna be everywhere. Like, what are you gonna do? There's gonna be violence everywhere, no matter where you go, but you have to make your rent. And you have to pay your bills, and you live in the most one of the most expensive cities. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, there's nothing else you can do. Oh, it's God. getting really sad. Oh, but like, th- th- but that's the reality. And when that becomes like, when you understand that as your reality, like, what do you do? You just you move past it. But here's the whole entire thing, and the point of like things like Wakanda and like Stanley's brilliance is there has to be something more. There has to be something we're working towards, which is not that. Which is not the reality we live in now, which is impossible because you have to be realistic. You have to recognize that we live in a world where black men get shot for doing their exact jobs that they're supposed to be doing because they have a gun. And black women. And like people just in general, just doing what they're supposed to do, like get killed all the time. We get murdered for like walking down the streets wearing hoods, having candy, all of those things. Yeah, murdered for going to church. Like literally all of these things and we're not seen as full exact humans. We're not seen as the standard that we're supposed to meet unless we're... Like doing shit like Kanye West <laughs> or like. Absolutely not. Yeah, like, <laughs> Absolutely not. Like just we have to meet the standard that yeah. is impossible to meet. But like it's just uh, I hate it because the thing is like a lot of the times we're reading these stories and we're learning about these things of like all these black people who have done all these great things. But they had to go through all of this survival mode to it. get to a point where they can just like exist, which is when they're in their 60s and 70s and they're just like, I did my work. I had my time. Thank you. Read my poetry. Bye. I'm gonna drink this honey. <laughs> and just mind my business. Mind like, my damn business and not interact with you hoes. Because th- you get That's to that life. point. I can't wait until my 60s. Oh, God. But it's so hard thinking about that and not having this like tangible like goal or this liberation or this imagination in your head. So we're going to like go back to happiness because we talked about the realness of existing. Yeah, we did. We did. So what would be a world where you didn't have to live in the reality you live in right now? What would be your ideal world? Where I didn't have to live in the reality I live in? I don't know. See, this is really hard for me to imagine, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, there, like, even when I try to dream of a world where, like, you know, we're loved, like, mm-hmm. we're loved, like everybody else. I'm always like, this is where the holes would be. Like, I find them. It's just really sad that that's just, that's the reality. Like, I, I find it, like, I was I was trying to write about this this past weekend, and I didn't uh, finish this post. I got really tired. But I was, like, trying to write something. I haven't written, like, a blog post or whatever in a long time. But, like, I find it, for myself personally, I find it really hard to dream 
I find it hard. I don't dream about what I want to do or like what in in my wildest dreams what would happen. I literally have no idea. I find it hard to conceptualize that. And like that is depressing to me. I just that, got really sad. <laughs> but like but it, you know it's it's like the the thing is I've tried to like my whole this is like wow it's like I feel like we're in therapy cuz I'm about to tell you about like I'm just about to tell everybody about this like really sad thing about me but like for the since I was a kid like I tried to protect myself from disappointment and like when it was everywhere around me like it was really hard to imagine good mm-hmm. like not even okay but good and so a lot of the times I dealt with reality and I even like just imagined worse realities to get through my current reality. So I didn't give myself room for like, like when people are like, I was a kid and I dreamt about what my wedding would be. I never imagined I would get married. I never imagined what it would be like to be loved by another human being. I never imagined what long-term commitment looked like. I never imagined like all of those things. It was like, I don't want to set myself up for failure and disappointment. So let me just deal with what is and like move on from there. And in my career, I start like when I was younger, I would dream. But then I faced a lot of disappointment early after I graduated college, like when I tried to move to New York and New York didn't fit what I had in mind. And it was so disappointing and it was so heartbreaking to me. And I, when I like left and came back and I felt like such a huge failure, like, I didn't want to go through that feeling ever again. So then I was like, well, how can I like reimagine, um, reimagine like what what dreams would look like? And it had to be something more tangible for me where it was like, okay, you're not gonna be disappointed if like you always you're always just going with the flow and you're always just following energy. If you're following energy, like you don't have to worry about being disappointed because you're just moving on to the next thing that feels right. So I never, I don't dream. And as I, if I sit and think about like, like I tried to do this this weekend, I was like, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna put myself through this exercise. And like, I'm gonna post about it. Couldn't do it. I gave up because I was like, this isn't something I know how to do. And I'm not entirely sure what I'm getting at. And every time I was like, I want this, I would think, let's dial it back. Let's just like, let's, let's not go that far. Like it was just, it was impossible for me. So it's really, I'm just, I feel like I'm depressing you. But it's really hard for me to imagine non, non-reality. It's just not, it's just not something I know how to do. And I don't know, it feels really weird to talk about this <laughs> and confess this. Maybe it's the Merlot. <laughs> but it just, actually, no, I'm just this honest. But like. Yeah, so this is a very this is a very hard topic for me because I I don't know what what it would be like what would it be like to not constantly be worried that someone is gonna hate you for a reason that you don't deserve don't know don't know what is it what does it look like like it doesn't I don't know so it, it's just it's too much for me it's too much for me I didn't know we were gonna do this today <laughs> I didn't know and I feel a little bit weird that I said all of it <laughs> I just think that's really honest and vulnerable thank you for sharing. <laughs> Always, but like that that idea of like the fact that we can't reimagine our liberation or actually imagine things because we're still absorbed and like connected to our reality because this is the pain that we feel every single day. Mm-hmm. That's like the most honest thing that I've ever like. You said basically everything I felt for like <clears throat> the past twenty four years of my life, where I'm just kind of like, 
wow, I could have been become president, but I can't because of this, this, and this yeah. reason. Like, I can't or should have become an astronaut. Like, I could have done that, but it's like I couldn't have worked hard enough to be an astronaut because there's no way they would have accepted me. Like, right. things like that where, like, literally this is my anxiety. My anxiety is me trying to come up with a dream and being like, Oh, like, for example, I went and met so many different people while I was at this conference. And I'm over here like, how do I ask them to network? How do I reach out to these people so I can get a better or not a better, but like get a different job or do something that's more aligned to my message, Mm -hmm. more aligned to like my goals? Like, I, I can't do that. I don't know. That's not a reality I've ever experienced. And I'm afraid to like jump into this imagination that doesn't exist. And that's. No, it's true. Like, that was interesting that you tied it like even to like aspirations for career like as a kid I wanted to be a singer I love music I have always been like fairly like talented in that space fairly you're really good at singing I'm fairly talented in that space but in my head (laughs) but in my head I'm like there's no way you could be a singer there's like aesthetic standards that you don't subscribe to you're like not you're not thin enough your hair is not straightened all these things like all of these things that have everything to do with blackness doesn't fit the mold for, like, stardom. So I'm like, that's not... When I was a kid, like, when I was a kid, I was like, that's never going to happen. So, like, you're not going to dream about that. Like, it's just, like, since then, like, it's weird. But, like, that has been... That's been the reality. Like, that's been the reality. And I also... I just wonder... And I also wonder, like, how many people are really dreaming. Because I don't think people are encouraged to do that. I mean, maybe white people, but... (laughs) So I think we should just, like, I feel like we just, like, open Pandora's box. And if we keep going down it, we're both going to start crying. We're going to cry. We're We're going to start crying. I don't don't want to cry. So I think that we should just, this is what I think we should do. (laughs) If there was a young black child, a young trans child, anything of that nature, a young marginalized youth Mm. who walked in here and they were like, I don't know how to dream. Damn. How? (laughs) What would you tell them? If they didn't live in this reality that we lived in. Okay. I think first, I, if I yeah, want to go first. please go. Please. I'll go first. I'd be like, <laughs> do it. don't let anybody tell you what you believe in is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first and foremost. That, that's the biggest thing. Like, yeah, I'm not even going to expand on that because I feel like we all get it. Yeah. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not capable. Mm-hmm. That you, you oh God, I don't even know. I'm gonna start crying. I can't. Don't do, this. do it. Don't do it. Don't, I don't do it. Do this today. I mean, you can cry, no, and no, no, I'm gonna no, be no, very no, comfortable. No, no, but no, 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 you don't no, want to, and no, I don't no, want no, you don't to feel cry. uncomfortable. I don't want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to cry. Uh, <laughs> keep going. Come I can't. On. I can't good. keep going. All right. Here's here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Um, like actually, just go after what you want, because like that sounds simple, but it's not. Right, because you get caught up in like, well, what if I'm not funded well enough, or well, what if I'm not enough in a space, or what if um, I mess up, or whatever. Like, you might as well just go after what you want, because there's no harm in going after what you want. Like, you either get it or you don't, and if you get it, like that's pretty fucking cool. That changes everything. That changes everything for you in that moment. That changes everything for people around you. Like, you might as well go after what you want, exactly what you want. Like, don't give yourself limitations and don't, I don't know, don't um, Don't, underestimate yourself. Yeah, don't lose the battle before you even fight. 
Right. Like, so. you should definitely just, like, do exactly what you want. And do, like, like, I've learned this from one of my best friends who I married seven years ago yesterday. <laughs> I just realized that because of, um, like, the time hop thing. But um, so my best friend, Patrick Blanchard, who's just amazing, who's in Los Angeles, who doesn't give a fuck about reality most of the time. Like, he literally just up and left his job here. And was like, because it was it was a very good job, and he was doing really great work, graphic design work for a number of clients here. Um, and was like, this isn't what I want. This isn't exactly what I want. So I'm just gonna go do like more arts focused things in Los Angeles. Didn't know what he was gonna do. Just was like, this isn't what I want. I'm gonna go find what I want. And is and I don't like and, and I think he's like posted about this on social media. Like he was helping out in a music video with Fleet Foxes and like doing more like set design work, artwork, and like that's what he wants to do. He just wants to do that, and he doesn't have a steady income. And honestly, most of the time I don't know where he's living. Um, but like that makes me so nervous, and it makes us nervous. But it doesn't make him nervous. I mean, like he has moments of anxiety. Sure, we all do. But like. That's just how he thrives. Like that's the pressure that he puts himself under is how he excels and he always excels. And I know this about him. Like I was like, he's just going to go to Los Angeles without a job. That's like messed up. But inside I was like, no, that's him. And he's going to thrive. And he knows that about himself as well. He has that confidence in himself. I mean, I don't think he would say that because we all have that person inside of us that's like, you can't do anything. He probably wouldn't say that about himself, but people around him know that. I know that. And so, like, every time he just goes after exactly what he wants, and he always does, he gets it because that's what you need. You need that confidence in yourself, but you need that drive. Um, and you also just need that, like, tenacity to just be like, I'm going to go after exactly what I want. Not close to it. Not I'm in a pretty good situation, but, like, Go after your dream because you just you just might get it if you go after it. You'll never get it if you don't. Right. And so, like, I, I think he's, like, an inspiration to me every day. Anytime I talk to him, he is. Because he just is like, I'm just figuring it out. But I know that I want this. And he goes after it. Like, it's just, it's, like, just the way of his life. And I think that's incredible. Man, but anyway. I miss him all the time. God, I hate I got married seven years ago. I got married seven years ago in an ex-friend's apartment um, with a lot of good snacks. Man, people really delivered all the snacks for this wedding. It was really impromptu. And somebody brought a cheese ball. It was life. I can't believe you got married without me. <laughs> Honestly, I am disappointed in myself for not knowing you at that time. Literally at that time. It was a blowout. Time. It was a blowout. <laughs> what year was that? 2011, 2011. I was in high school. <laughs> you were in high school in 2011? Girl. <laughs> that was a year before I graduated college. Mm. A year before I graduated college. It was a good time. I was an orientation assistant at KU. Blast and pass. That was the first year I drank, I think. Isn't that weird? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Just the memories. <laughs> Look how far we have come. So far. So far. Yeah. Hey, Nadia. Hey, Isaac. Guess who brought the cornbread? I don't know, but I know who brought the popcorn. <laughs> and I'm currently eating it. Okay. Um, tell me who brought the cornbread. Who made the cornbread? Who made it? Well, his name is Sam. Sam Ahmed. Who we talk about all the time, all the time on this pod. But 
But he asked us a question. He's the one who asked us questions. So y'all need to ask questions if you want to be talked about. Yeah, you can hit us up in some comments. We post all the time on our Facebook stuff. Literally like, all the time. Twitter always blows up. We ask questions on there all the time. Like y'all can hit us up at any Like my phone be blowing lives. up all the time and like, I be checking. Even during meetings, I look. I just look glance down. Just a glance. Just look. Just like one glance. So. And I'm like, oh, Isaac's text me. Because <laughs> it's always Isaac care. blowing up my phone. Or like, it was, I was on a date recently. No, oh, it was terrible. And my phone started ringing. And before I even looked at it, I was like, that's probably my mom. <laughs> like, immediately. And then they were like, and I was like, nobody calls me but my mom. She's the only one who calls. Like, So anyway, it's like, that's who be blowing up my phone, Isaac and Ma. That's, that's yeah. We, I mean, we that's all there. that matters, honestly. That's really all that matters. <laughs> so anyway, Sam asked... Should we accept apologies slash forgive when celebrities apologize for repeated problematic behavior? How do we evaluate apologies slash behavior in the realm of social media and social capital? Yeah, that's difficult. That is a very difficult question with a very, I feel like, simple answer. Okay, you have to go then. I have to go first. I have yes, to go first. Yes, you have to. I think that there is ways of forgiving and accepting people's apologies but still holding them accountable. And I think that's the part that a lot of people don't do is like, sure, Kanye West has been going through a lot. He took, stop taking. trash. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See, 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 see. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to hold myself back. Okay, I was going to hold myself back. Me, this popcorn. He's been extremely problematic because it could be his medication. It could be just like him trying to like center himself. Hating black women. That too. Whatever. All of these things. To say hating black people, I mean, listen, just in general, just like trash. But all of this to say is like, yeah, he's apologized, and I feel like there is a level of restorative justice that can be done by him for me to be like, yeah, you're in my good graces again. Like Definitely. he should be giving money to the Black Lives Matter movement. He should be reinforcing all of the narratives that he said were true when it came to the Donald Trump era that like he agreed with all of these things. He should be renouncing all of it by giving funds to the people who are going up against that man. Mm-hmm. He should be like endorsing all of these democratic like um like nominees and people like that. Like we just went through an election season. Like he could have jumped on board with somebody else's campaign. He could have done something more. And although he's like, I don't want to be involved in politics anymore. You already built a bridge and caused all these people to believe that the politic that you believe is the safest one when you know it wasn't. Like there is a way that you can make up for that and it has to be through action and can't just be through words. Amen. But also, I think he's dead to me. Yeah, he might be dead to me. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. He could do a lot. And I think that if he did a lot, like all these things you say, and actually liked black women. And I need to hear I need to hear it in his lyrics. That's true. Like, it, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done. Because I, I haven't been a fan of Kanye for a very long time. Um, He could do all those things. And I still think, mm, you're kind of dead to me. But... I'm starting to see what you mean. Like, the apology isn't enough. There's got to be action. So mm-hmm. I think you're right. And, like, I think he could redeem himself in a lot of people's eyes. And I think he could redeem himself in a way with me. Yeah. But, like, damn, that ship has sailed. Yeah. And people need, to, people need to be doing more than just apologizing. Like, this is what, this is part of the topic that I feel like, well, actually, no, you're going to say something. I don't want to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Go, 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 go. Okay, I, okay. Like, you're probably going to say what I was well, going to say. Well, this is the part where I'm like, there's, there are a lot of celebrities who do a lot of shitty things that I don't like them. But their art, I still like. So that's that's conflicting where it's like, 
oh, I really don't like you. You're, you've actually done some really horrible things, but I like this song. Like, I kind of like this music. Oh, you're always like, you're always making bops. What am I going to do? Like, how am I going to handle this? I don't, I'm very conflicted. So I have to like this song, but I really don't like you. And that's the part that gets hard for me because it's like, they're not even like, maybe some of them are attempting to apologize or whatever, but like, it's not, I, I recognize that it's not enough. Like, I'm like, I don't forgive you, but I like their art. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Like, how do you come to terms with that? Because I... No, it's like the R. Kelly effect. Like, as much as oh, R. Kelly. R. Kelly is just trash. Just the worst. Like, the worst human being in the whole entire world. Cook out bop maker. <laughs> R. Kelly. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like he's gone too far. <laughs> he has gone too far. I can't listen to he's his gone music so even. far. But maybe if it came on, though... I probably would. But that's the thing. Every foot. time that you go to the club and they play, um, what is that one song? Um, Bump and Grind? No. Ignition? It's not Pony. That one. Mm. Ignition comes Next on. The, the, the hot remix. and fresh out the kitchen. It's the remix. Yeah. It's, the, it, it's the thing. Like, I don't know how to stop my body from rolling and uh, rolling, but I got all these pretty wish. Like, it's there. Yeah, it's but there. It feels I don't know wrong how to stop. While it we're feels rolling. horrible. <laughs> It feels horrible. And, like, the thing is, it's, like, I have to, like, this is another thing. Like, um, Tarana Burke was talking about how um, Bill Cosby is just trash. Like, simply trash. Like Absolutely, objectively. She was, like, he wasn't trying to buy CNN, y'all. Like, the reason why they did all this stuff to him was not because he was trying to buy CNN. It was because women were, like, I'm tired of being, like, sexually mistreated and people not saying anything about it, we're going to speak up on the fact. Like, literally violated. Exactly. And drugged. And so, that being said, like, like black men, a lot of the times, we give them passes and we give them, like, this space to be able to do all this traumatic-ass shit on the, like, on the sense of their own trauma. So the thing is, and, like, something that Tarana also said was, we need to stop we need to stop centering and elevating black men's trauma over the violence that they do to black women. Mm. And I think that's like, that's goes in the sense of like all of these um, celebrities apologizing or them be like people being hyper vigilant of their actions. Yep. Like they do things and they're racist and they're homophobic and they're like transphobic and they're like sexist and they do all of these like misogynistic ass shit. And they assault people. And they do all these problems, like everything across the board. They do all these problematic ass things. And people are like, well, they're craft is amazing. It doesn't matter if their craft no, is amazing. No, that does not excuse po- it. Yeah, if your politic is not aligned with that, you should not be endorsing anything they do, and that includes listening to their music. Mm. But it's something that I have to also work on because at the same time, I'm going, I am the same person who just said, I know all the words to Ignition, and I I don't know how to stop that. But I'm not, like, buying the music, but what if it comes on? Am I not allowed to, like, just, like, sway? Like, what happens if you sway? Because the thing is, sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get a nuance here because, like, I I actually agree with what you're saying. I 100% agree with what you're saying. But, like, God, some of these songs, what are they doing to me? And so I feel like I my mind is being controlled. <laughs> and this is part of their violence against me. It's like they know that if they produce that one bop, they're going to get to me. And then I'm going to, oh, God, this is just, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I've been waiting to bring this up, and I'm glad Sam brought this to our touch. Honestly, the question is, should we accept apologies or forgive celebrities when they apologize for repeated behavior? The answer is no. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they don't, um, if they're not, if they apologize, but they honestly aren't showing what they're saying, like, Action speaks, speaks louder than words. Like, like literally, that's something we've heard our whole lives. Our whole lives. And honestly, I've seen it in all of my relationships. Actions really do speak a lot louder than words. Yeah. Like, 
You don't have to. No, you don't have to. Because they could be extremely talented and an asshole. Those two things exist all the time at the same time. Yeah. And we should definitely not forgive them if they continue being an asshole and trash and hurting people. And, and like, that's just, that's the end of the story. Like, they can apologize, but, like, if they're not going to do anything to redeem themselves, like, like, and, like, in the long term, not, like, in the short term. Right. Then, like, what's the point? Like, why, why do you want to idolize somebody like that? It's like the person in your class who's an asshole, but they're also talented. Like, do you like that person? No. no. Because they're just some nigga in your class. Exactly. I shouldn't have said that. Whatever. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> and so I'm just like, <laughs> question myself. And Don't so question it's just, yourself. Right. But it's just like, but because they're a celebrity, like, you want to let things go. You want to because you want to believe in the idea of that what they could be. But it's yeah. like, no, you got to believe in what they are. And if what they are is trash, throw them away. Throw them away. And don't you pick that up. You wouldn't go into the trash. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, sometimes you'd be dropping shit. <laughs> sometimes you gotta go back you know we all mess up <laughs> yeah, you know I dropped my keys today and it literally almost slipped under the door I watched it happen and I said <laughs> I was by myself it was like 6.30 in the morning and I was like Jesus Mary and Joseph <laughs> by myself as I watched the keys almost slide themselves <laughs> under my door Do you know? anyways Wait, 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 wait. I don't wait, know wait. how we got here, but I am still upset about it. I am here. I think that's wait, the wait, end wait. of Who Made no, the no, Cornbread. No, no, no. I'm not trying no, 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 no. to drag this out. What you want to say to me? What you want to say to me right now after the day that I have gone through? I'm feeling combative. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. That's when I'm really upset because I don't really know any... Just, you know, full transparency. <laughs> I'm not really, you know, like, um, well-read with the Bible in that I haven't read it. <laughs> I don't really, I'm, my family is Catholic, but your girl is, you know, trying to figure shit out. <laughs> and so decided. whenever I see Jesus, Mary, Joseph, something really bad has happened that has shook me. <laughs> To my very court. There is no explanation but God. <laughs> and that's what happened this morning. I was like, no, this, could, this couldn't happen. Like, it was like halfway into the door, and I was like, that would have happened to you. That would have happened. And then what are you going to do? What are you going to explain that to people? Absolutely not. Because like, there's nothing you can do. You live outside because you're too embarrassed. You're going to find a friend who knows how to pick a lock. You're not going to go to a property. I can pick a lock. Like, Listen, it's a like, skill that I have that I shouldn't have announced on air. Nah, that's fine. It's the bragging about your talents. It should be on your resume. You're right, right, right. So that's the end. That is the end. So if you have any questions for us, you can always contact us at thetablepod at gmail.com or you could hit us up on our Instas and socials and all the different things at All Time Isaac and Nadia's at Nadia. Nadia Oye, O-Y-E. That's my middle name, y'all. I didn't know that. My middle name? Mm-mm. Damn. The kid at the juvie asked me today and I told him and he was like, You don't look like a Nigerian. And I was like <laughs> I was like, Yo, Nigerians all look different. We all look different. He was like, Your hair's not nappy. I was like Then we would have started fighting. I, <laughs> I was actually like, started I was like, I'm still confused by the question. <laughs> and <laughs> like and we just you know, we went back and forth for a while. And then I looked at him and he looked at me and we moved on. Sometimes you just got to move on. 
you know, I learned something from working with teenagers and specifically teenagers have who have been to juvie and then end up in my emergency um, housing shelter mm. who are like, you have to earn respect from people by basically going at them and getting to the point where you can resolve that you guys are not going to like each other, but you're not going to swing on each other. And that's where you guys were at. I didn't dislike him, honestly. I get that question by people every day. Nobody oh usually God. says your hair is a nappy, but like, listen, this is a black man. I mean, I feel like I wasn't super offended by it. I was just like. Was he Nigerian? No. Was he black? Yeah, he's black. He's probably, I mean, he's African American. Yeah. He has to be something. He's African American. Because how would he know about, like, why would he Black just, people know Nigerians. Nigerians are everywhere. But mm, We come know. in full force. Okay, know. not Seattle for some reason. That's what I'm saying. But, nah, he he knows some Nigerians. He's been around the block a few times. Hmm. Point is, what was the point? There is no point. Anyway, you can hit us up on social media to ask us more questions. Okay, bye. Slide into the DM. Hey, we're back, and we're gonna <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna give you a to go plate. We're gonna give you a plate with all the fixings, all these. I make. I always overcook. I always have a lot of leftovers, so you're just gonna have to take it with you. Um, actually, I don't give away leftovers like that. You know, like you go to like these white parties and they're like, "I can't possibly keep these." I'm always like, "Man, if people don't take the food, I'm still gonna eat. This I'm gonna later. be eating right all week." Like I always think that. Like it's like I want people to take stuff if they want it, but at the same time, if they don't. I don't have to cook for the rest of the week. Do white people not believe in like leftovers? Do they not warm up? They their like food? to do the whole like, oh, I don't want to like if I keep it, I have to eat all of it. I'll gain weight. Just like the bullshit. It's like no, you wouldn't gain weight. You just eat in moderation, like with the meals that you have that are forthcoming. I, so I just have a lot of feelings so about that. It's like when people, <laughs> no, we're gonna go. No, no, we have to. No, leave. we have to leave. Okay, so, so Daniel, 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 love Daniel. Love I haven't him. seen Daniel in a week. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. Daniel helped us with the David Bowie because Daniel knew who David Bowie was and yep. we did not. Yeah, well, sadly. we did, but we just didn't know his name. Yeah. Very different. Which... Daniel let us bring wine to the studio today. Mm-hmm. That's also positive. Yes. Um, what other things about Daniel do we like? Daniel, <laughs> what Daniel wears, duh. Okay, and so today Daniel's ensemble includes, that's when I was leaving for you to start it off. Okay, say. okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Daniel has on, you know those glasses that I lost? <laughs> You lost your glasses. I lost the my glasses. The round ones? Do you the think Daniel ones, took them? Daniel might have took them. But also, I don't feel bad because they look great on Daniel. Daniel does look good with them. And I like that he decided to pair like a nice sweater vest. Yeah. Gla- like a very, it's like a, it's like a warm, like brown color. So it's mm-hmm. like a very cozy looking sweater vest. And then like this like red plaid long sleeve Oxford shirt underneath it. Like very studious of Daniel. Mm-hmm. I'm getting Arthur vibes. <laughs> <laughs> to be very clear, Arthur the Aardvark, A A R D V A R K. That's how I learned. <laughs> that's how I learned how to spell Aardvark. My friend Arthur. <laughs> I can't what breathe. Else? What else? What else about Dave? <laughs> the way you just told me how you spelled Aardvark. That's how you learned on the show. A A R B A A A A R D V A R K. No, wait, it was like a song. It was a song. I don't think I watched Arthur like that. Oh, I watched Arthur like that. I but watched no, it who also watched Arthur like that? Who's that? Daniel, because Daniel really looks like Arthur. No, for real. Blue jeans. Blue jeans, yeah. 
He did tell us that he's got that like yellow sweater, but he wanted to change it up a little bit. He didn't want to be a too much of a dead giveaway. Mm-hmm. And that's why I respect him because he was like, I'm not out here like that. Yeah. I also believe that Daniel might have a pet aardvark. That is a rumor that we heard. Yeah. We can't confirm at this moment. But if we do get a picture of Dana with an aardvark, we'd probably post it somewhere. We will. We will. We will. We're going to be with the aardvark in the photo. <laughs> like, I'm not going to take advantage of that. No, it's an aardvark. Like, nobody just has access to aardvarks like that, except Daniel. Except for Daniel. Daniel also has, like, ears on. It's not Halloween. But Daniel doesn't even celebrate Halloween because Daniel's too cool for Halloween because Daniel's always wearing costumes. No, it's true. So. And it's more like a headband than anything else, just like to push the hair out of his eyes. Yeah. Because you know those beach blonde curls. <laughs> those curls are just flowing. And he's yeah. got to see. He's got to see, so he's got to push him back. He's got the ears. That's why we got to the aardvark situation. That's Daniel. Yeah. And Daniel looks grand today. Just emceeing it up in the um, production room. What do you call that room? A booth? A booth? It's got to be a booth. A booth, maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Like, not like a table booth, like at a restaurant. That's very different. But like, the sound. <laughs> sound control room. Sound control room. There you go. There it's got to be a booth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to even budge on that. It's a booth. It's a booth. It's a booth. It's a Y'all booth. can tell me it's not. Okay. So we have flowers. We got to give out the flowers. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Who deserves hmm. flowers today? Yo, okay, everybody at Facing Race who I met and engaged with is super dope. I, like, they all deserve flowers. I met Andrew, Adrian Marie Brown, which is like... Like Nadia. Yeah, who's exactly like Nadia, a.k.a. the best human in the whole entire world. Yeah. Um, and so it was, like, beautiful to meet her. Um, the people I was staying with, Diane and Lucky, like, it was so good to live with them for, like, the five days that I was there. They really gave me energy and, like... We had, like, provoking conversations. Um, Simone, who I met, was dope. She was cool as fuck. Um, just, like, um, Patrick. Or not Patrick. Oh, God. You know what? Patrick <laughs> Blanchard gets flowers. <laughs> Me and Isaac both want to give you flowers <laughs> for being out there, succeeding the way that you do. Um, you're an inspiration. And happy anniversary, boo-boo. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the reminder I needed to give him flowers. <laughs> Isaac's gonna recover. Who else deserves flowers? Um, honestly, the kiddo that I met with today, who's getting released tomorrow, he gets flowers because we wrote a poem today about staying out of jail. And I'm like, yo, that's gonna happen. You the realist. Go be you, boo. Shut up. You wrote a poem with a youth about staying out of jail. That's right. I really hope they stay out of jail. I hope you continue to meet with them to make sure they don't stay out of jail. Because recidivism is large in it's Seattle. It's large, but like, listen, he knows. He knows exactly what he needs to do. We have goals. He's got real good goals. And we talked about it. And he's a super positive human being. And I think, like, that's it. He's ready. He's ready. He's about to see his mom. You go. How old is flowers. he? I feel like that's information. Can't tell you that. <laughs> Can't tell you that. <laughs> that's what I'm like, like I doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's out. He's out there. Well, not yet. He needs to tell it. But he will be, and he gets the flowers. Actually, yeah. he will be when this airs. He'll be out there. He'll be out there. So flowers for him. Life. Flowers for him. Oh, that's so nice. Um, who else from this conference? I just met really cool people. It was just like a great time. You don't have to like, brag about the conference all the time. Uh, that's such a good, <laughs> like you weren't doing that when you went to New Orleans. You're right. I'm right. I'm so, so sorry. So you're like, I had all these things in New Orleans. It was such a good time. 
Whatever. I'm so mad. I'm still mad at you. Rag situation. We don't got to get into it right now. No, we do. Because, no, 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 no. We have to get off the air. But we need to ask the question that people right. have to answer. Let's ask it. They have to answer it. We're not going to talk about it until the next episode. Right, right, right. So. Oh, also, <laughs> to check in about the questions that we already asked with the poll. I won. You can. Okay. Do you know why you do you know why you won? Why'd I win? Why'd I win? You can tell me about myself. Because people have unhealthy friendships. <laughs> wow. With their wow. exes. Mm-mm. You just don't have faith. Cut the cord. No. Nope. People. <laughs> nope. Nope. It's time to <laughs> Nope. You nope. can you can literally nope. sit over there nope. and tell me nope. that nope. you nope. have nope. healthy relationships with the people that yes. you used to date. Yes. Literally a person who I was in a five-year relationship with, I texted the uh, last week. <laughs> I just don't believe it. I did. I can show you the text We'll talk message. about it later. Okay. <laughs> okay. But before we do that, quickly <laughs> ask them the question so we can go. <laughs> Mama's got to make a meal. <laughs> I got my imperfect produce. I'm trying to bake some vegetables. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So... What do you use a rag for? What do you use it for? I use a rag. No, no, no. We're not gonna give them what you what you do or what I do. I want to know what they do first. <laughs> I want to know. I want the facts. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna be publicizing this on social media. I just need to know what do you use a rag for? Rag. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds gross. <laughs> What do you use it for? Oh, we got to know. And we're going to talk about it. For some reason, this is important to both of us. It's really important. It's really important. Okay. But anyway, thank you always to Jack Straw. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Daniel for being the OG. Yeah. Um, thank you for you guys following us on social media and Please. doing all the things and like supporting us and just like listening to us all the time. Um, I think that's everything. Thank I think you to the Merlot for giving me life. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm about to pass out. Thank you to Isaac for actually showing up even though, you know, he's sick as a as a dog. Sick as a dog. That's a actual roof, phrase. Roof. <laughs> bark, bark. Roof, roof. Yeah. No, he's sick. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> thank you for my body for slowly emphasize slowly recovering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, we're we out here. I can't wait to take more Tylenol. I can't wait to get in my bed without pants on. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Anyway, peace out, Girl Scout. A-Town. <laughs> <laughs>